Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. No truer words have ever been spoken, I dare say. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander with you, Bunker to France here. And I ain't no shady lawyer. No, he's it. He ain't. <laughs> and uh, Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Howdy, Todd. Howdy, gentlemen. Hello, Todd Earl. And Western Writers of America author Doug Hawking is Award-winning. Award-winning. Award winning. Award winning. Yeah. Howdy, all. Howdy. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Today. Forget the award winning. The guy's the best dressed cowboy we've ever known. Well, that that's true too. He's, He's got the greatest jacket. But not wearing it today. Well, and uh, the mustache and the the uh, the goatee and the soul patch and the mustache and the hat and the boots. Oh, he's somewhere between uh, Texas Jack Armando and Wild Bill Hickok. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now you you should be able to see him. He's sitting here with the hat on. It's a blue with a little Bill conductor hat. Because our topic for today is... What is our topic for today? Look out, there's a train coming. Get off the track, Harry! Quick! Look out! Oh, dang, it hit him! We're, we're, uh, we're doing train movies today, ladies and gentlemen. And the train rolled in. Train movies. And they're obviously serving liquor on the train. Well, uh, obviously. Club car. Obviously, Country yes. Club. Uh, anyway, uh, train movies today, and Doug's got some great stories about uh, train holdups. And, uh, and he held so up forth. a few trains. Well, in I don't his know day. if he's held them up or not, but uh, yeah, haven't you? I held one up once. Yeah. Yeah. Made him wait while I crossed the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Get your truck off the track, damn it! <laughs> All right, movie Saturday. We talk about movies and we talk about trains and cowboy trains. Cowboy trains. What's the uh, it's the very first movie about trains. Oh, wait a minute here. Uh -huh. I got it here somewhere. Great last train time. robbery. No. No, 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 no. You got it. Where is it? Where, where, where well, happened to the silence? Bunker here? has to look at his uh, his play-by-play -play information. <laughs> well, no, there. wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, my, my, the great train robbery nope. is the earliest one I got, American. Nope. What's no, that may be the earliest Amer American. Yeah. Uh, the earliest is The Arrival of a Train, is what it's called. It was uh, done in 1896 by the Lumiere brothers. Yeah, I don't, I don't count, I don't count the Froggy movies. Well, now come on, it's a movie. It, but it's, it's not a well, it's it was cinema. A it was. Yeah, you know they were they made a ton of westerns of over there in the silent all over the world. Yes, they did in the silent era. Yes, they did. So that is the topic, uh, trains, but certainly not the arrival of the train. We're going to talk about uh, train robberies, but great train movies. Uh, both silence and um, soundies, and uh, maybe even touch on TV, and maybe yeah, some stuff with television. I got to say though that I uh, personally, um, the Iron Horse is perhaps I think the best train movie that was ever made. Well, tell us more about John that, Ford, 1924. Uh, George O'Brien stars in it, and it's basically the building of the railroad. Yeah, and uh, John Ford. Uh, Tells a great story. You know, it's interesting too because a few years later, when uh, sound came in, Cecil B. DeMille did Union Pacific, which, while it wasn't a copy, it was an equal movie, but a yeah. sound yeah. sound thing. The yeah. building of the railroad, right? You know, the trials and tribulations and all of that. Well, that's stuff. a that's a common theme among most of the railroad movies is the building of the railroad. Um, but I, I think if you go back to when was the general done? Well, that, I'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> to me, that's the greatest train. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, one Buster Keaton, you know, wrote it, directed, produced it, edited it, and he and all uncredited, by the way, was what that was so common thing. Right, right. But the thing about it is, like the, the stunts in that thing. Were no CGI. Nobody even knew what no. it was then. No. And you know the the train wreck itself. It was an expensive train wreck. That, well, it, well, let me see if I got. I think I wrote that down here somewhere. Let me see. 
Okay, well, let me let me just get in it. The, Let's the train, do another take of that. <laughs> the train, the train was the General. It was a number three. Yep. It was built by Western and Atlantic Railroad. It was a 440 American type steam locomotive, and the train chasing it was the Texas, mm -hmm. and that was also from the same era. Let me see where we got here. Okay. Oh, here we go. That was uh, Western and Atlantic number 49. And that was built in 1856. It was actually it was an older train. Danford uh, uh, Coke and Company made that one. And in the third train they bought, and that was the train that they actually crashed. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that was that that was a one shot only. That you was think? A, that was a real train. <laughs> they they had to score the bridge, yeah. plant charges on it, set it on fire. And then while all that was happening, Keaton had to take his train across, the general, mm -hmm. and nobody knew, you know, the thing. And then the other train would, came along, and I, I watched, I, I was researching this, I watched that crash over and over and over, and the print, man, you talk about a pristine, yep. crystal clear. Yep. I mean, it's better than some of the stuff, you know, we're doing nowadays. Todd, what do you got? Well, I, I think, you know, it's important uh, to, you know, take not take out of context these films. You know, a lot of people say, well, it's a silent. Why would I want to watch that? Um, or it's really old and the sound isn't that great. Why would I want to watch that? Why would but you? But I think, you, you know, why wouldn't you want to watch it? Have you ever seen it? Well, if you haven't seen it, how can you comment on it? Exactly. And you're also seeing some people like Ford and others who are not at the top of their game but are starting to mount the effort to the top of their game right, right. and you really see where they came from their shall we say their their cinema heritage their lineage and how they got to where they were well this is one of the steps that took them on that journey and, and got to be how they got to be where they're at and I think that they're you know yes they might not be as exciting as um, you know two hours of CGI pornographic uh, film, <laughs> but uh, you know uh, yeah, the, blue, the excuse from Hollywood is yeah, and the excuse from Hollywood is well, uh, you know, we give the people what they want, and I've said so many times here on the show as well. Force feed. The 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 audience is a child. The audience will eat what you give them. Yep. You know, uh, my friend uh, uh, and very close friend David Shapiro, he used to always, I'd go to his house with his wife and his daughter, and his daughter was four, and we were eating salmon and asparagus drizzled with, uh, drizzled with uh, uh, um, oregano and so on and cheese, and I'd say, oh, so what's Emily eat? I thought she'd have mac and cheese or something. He said, no, she eats what we eat. We put it in front of her, and if she eats it, she eats it, and if she doesn't, she goes to bed hungry. The audience is the same way. If you gave them two hours of CGI porno, they're going to eat it up. Mm -hmm. If you give them real stuff like this is or anything else that we talk about constantly on the show, they're going to consume that. Um, and I, I think it's a cop-out for Hollywood to make this stuff because when you think about in 10 years, are we going to be talking about uh, 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 Fast and Furious 12, or will we still be talking about, uh, the, you know, the Iron Horse? Yeah. I think we're still going to be talking about the Iron Horse. Yeah. And, you know, these guys actually were inventing filmmaking as they were going along. Yeah, were. Yes. And, and, you know, yes. I want to throw out just a couple other little facts about the general. Al St. John, fuzzy, you know, he was an officer on horseback in this, and one of the Wranglers was a fellow named D. Wright. Now, how often do we mention the Wranglers? Not enough. Not enough. Doug Hawking, what do you think? Train movies. Train movies. You know, I was thinking the one you were talking about, a train race. Uh, I remember the Disney movie. The, the Great Locomotive Chase. The Great Locomotive. Exactly. You know, and the first Medal of Honor went to... Uh, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the guy that... Uh, what was the guy that Buster Keaton was playing? Uh... Except they changed they changed it from a union guy to a Confederate guy for Keaton. And the funny thing is, when they did it, Keaton thought that people would be more sympathetic to the Southerners than they would be to the Yankees being the heroes. 
Of course, this was a different period, but yeah. Here we go, the great locomotive chase, 1956. Old uh, Davy Crockett, Fess Parker himself, Jeffrey Hunter, Jeff York, John Lupton, Eddie Firestone, Ken Toby, Don McGowan, Claude Jarman Jr., Harry Carey Jr., Lenny Gear, Stan Jones, Slim Pickens, Morgan Woodward, Harvey Hester. My God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was... Uh, the, they shot it on down in Georgia on the Tallulah Falls Railway. Wow. Now, the reason we have Doug Hocking here is because he's done some uh, books on trains, robberies, and that sort of thing. But he's also a historian, and so we're... We're making him our train guy. We won't hold it against him. Right. Oh, okay. We're, 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 we're making him our train guy, so that's why we've got him uh, here today. Uh, you've got, I, you were ta- uh, uh, last Saturday at the National Day of the Cowboy, you were talking about some interesting stories regarding train holdups. Oh, oh. yeah, the, <laughs> the Fairbanks. <laughs> the, the Fairbanks holdup. Oh, gosh. Uh, first off, we got two lawmen planning the thing. And they get down in there, and it is perhaps the dumbest plan ever. <laughs> they're going to catch the train as they're unloading the mail mm-hmm. with the crowd in the station. Mm-hmm. So the outlaws gather up the crowd. Everybody stand over here. <laughs> they were going to break into the post office because they didn't get anything off the train after they, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, oh, wow. Uh, I'm Alvard and Styles planned it, and every now and then my head goes. Is that blank the one on where they blew up the rail car? No, no, no. That's the one over by Wilcox, and that oh, was the one I was telling you yeah, about. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, we're we're after the turn of the century. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's uh, ninety-two or three. Ninety-five, I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, hmm. And they. <laughs> Two cowboys who've told everybody, well, I think if I get tired of cowboying, I'll go into train robbing. <laughs> weren't, they, weren't they down in Tombstone during the Tombstone Troubles? Yeah, yeah. Leftovers. <laughs> you know, and, and the one guy's a rodeo cowboy. He's he's in the newspaper all over Cochise County. <laughs> well, he's, he's known. <laughs> the problem with stealing a train in the station mm-hmm. is that everybody knows you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> and... Everybody in town knows that they've stolen the train, except one guy, C.S. Fly, the sheriff, <laughs> also the photographer. <laughs> they didn't tell him. Never tell the sheriff. Right. And the train's heading out of town, and finally he gets the word, and he can't find a horse. So he chases the train for over a mile on foot. And doesn't. Get, they go out into the Wilcox Playa, mm-hmm. And they now unhook the passenger cars, and they head on out another mile or so with the express car, and they now send the firemen back. So you go back and tell those passengers they're safe if they don't interfere with us. Meanwhile, while they're doing this, the express man has gathered up everything he can, and he's running back toward town, <laughs> perhaps hoping to meet C.S. Fly. I don't. <laughs> and they go back and they, they they scream to the express man, "Open the door, or we'll shoot the engineer!" And of course, he's on his way to Wilcox. He doesn't hear him. <laughs> but instead, instead of instead of shooting him, they blow the express car. And then they get inside and they find 8,000 pesos and 1,000 peso sacks, and they use that to tamp the explosion on the safe. Oh, and they blew the express car and pesos all over the playa. They're still finding them in the 1960s, yeah. right? All the Mexicans from Wilcox come out the next day and they're gathering up pesos, yes, yeah. right? And it's silver. Yeah. 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 Uh, That'd make a great movie. <laughs> and and com- completely wrong. And you understand it's on the Wilcox Playa. Now, four years later, yep. Butch Cassidy is inspired by this event, mm-hmm. and he blows up his own express car, and where do you think he does it? I'm guessing, uh, well, I'm not going to guess. Wilcox, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. That's how we know where he got his inspiration. Isn't that That's amazing? <laughs> and you know, and that, that, is, that is one of the great... Robbery's gone awry in a Western movie. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, almost all of them did. Yeah. 
robbery's gonna right good, good gosh the first one on the southern quarter 1883 uh, the posse goes after one of the guys they got all the paperwork but they get into a little Mormon town in northern Arizona and the boy's a Mormon so the posse gets arrested <laughs> <laughs> and, and the guys they, they all get rounded up um, and they break jail and all but one of them ends up shot but now you've got four different posses that have gone after the guy and there's a huge reward mm-hmm. but by the time uh, you break it down to everybody who's involved you know, you're down to about 50 cents a piece <laughs> <laughs> well you know speaking of, of robberies gone awry that brings us back to the great train robbery yep. 1903 uh, December 7th is when it was released uh, by Edison Manufacturing Company <laughs> It wasn't even a film company. Right. It was a manufacturing company. And one of the interesting things is uh, one of the cast was a fellow named Gilbert M. Anderson, later known as Bronco Billy. And this, this is what, he was a bandit. He was the shot passenger. He was the tenderfoot dancer. Uh, he was the engineer, one of the engineers. And he was part of the posse. He played as many roles as you have yes. in, in certain productions. Yes, you just change hats, <laughs> trade hats. That's the whole secret. That's why I keep telling you he was he was in more episodes of uh, of High Chaparral than Leif Erikson. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's because, yeah because you you played two parts in the same show. Oh, I guess, so I get double credit. <laughs> get oh, double okay. Credit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is this is interesting because uh, they they shot it not out west, but in New Jersey at Dover. Essex Park uh, County Park, Orange Mountain, and West Orange, New York. Yeah, the, but the west it was west it was west of the Atlantic Ocean. They, they wore cowboy hats, so it was yeah. a western. I find uh, my my grandson, uh, my youngest grandson, is like ADD, so it's hard to get him to. Uh, sit still for anything, and he loves trains. He loves Thomas the Train like it's nothing. And um, so I finally got him to sit and watch the ten minutes of the Great Train Robbery. Right, and there comes the scene where they're marshalling everybody outside of the uh, cars, and they got them all uh, there and throw up your hands. And he, uh, my grandson, says, "Well, so wh- why why their hands up?" And I said, "Well, they're robbing them." And out of the blue, he says, "Well, maybe they don't have any questions about that." You know, your arms are up. You got to have a question. <laughs> yeah, your arms up. You got to have a question. So, out of the mouth of babes. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, hey, we got to do our uh, first commercial oh, break. Let here. me do one quick thing here because okay. I want to finish up. Tom London, yep. who existed forever in the movies, that was his first movie job. Oh. He was 14 years old. And he was a real life engineer. And he was one of the engineers on the train. Wow. Wow. Trains, Talk about a long career. Trains the topic for today on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. Our guest is Doug Hockey. We'll be back after these important messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. 
Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. What happened to you? Oh, we was having an argument with one of them cow steel nesters when a couple of fellows in the store jumped us from behind. Who were they? I don't know. Never saw them before. More settlers, I suppose. They're coming in like grasshoppers. This is the Voices of the West. Come on, you better hurry. Put aside your worry. There's no time to wear a crown. I'll pack my grip and travel. Watch the miles unravel. The railroad's coming to town. I could listen to that stuff all day, and, I, and frequently I do. Yes, you do, and I love listening to it. Ray Whitley, uh, Railroad's Coming to Town. Uh, welcome back to another edition of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. Our guest is Doug Hawking, member of Western Writers of America. He's our train guy. We're talking uh, movie Saturday at the White Stallion Ranch, and our topic is train movies. Trains coming in. Randolph Scott. It seems like every Western that involves Randolph <laughs> Scott has a train in it. Yeah. Uh, Genesis contract. I, I, I tried to see, look for how many movies did he make or, or train movies did he make and I couldn't uh, come up with an answer on that but um, like Santa Fe I'm looking at the card of Santa Fe that's on grit today yeah I was <laughs> I watched a couple of minutes of it I've, I've, I must have seen that movie a dozen times it's, but I still enjoy it you know another great train movie is uh, Union Pacific oh yeah uh, Joel McRae and Barbara Stanley Barbara Stanley yeah. Akeem Tamarov. Oh, man. Seen your extraordinary. Whoa. Good stuff. Robert Preston. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good uh, stuff. Brian Donlevy. That's oh, right. man. Anthony Quinn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Iron Eyes Cody. Bunches. Now, we've got <clears throat> this, Fuzzy web- night. this website that I'm looking <laughs> at here. It is Great Western Movies, and their tag is on trains. And uh, let's see, we've got. Uh, sound like Ray Whitley there. Train robbing westerns, the Great Train Robbery, 1903. The Great K and A Train Robbery, from 26. That's a, uh, it's a Tom Mix movie, isn't it? I think so. Right here, black and white silent. Tom Mix. Have yeah. you ever seen it? I have. It's I, great. I, I have it on my list to watch. He's got, he's got a thing where he repels off of Tony. Yeah. He's got the rope tied on yeah. Tony. Yeah. He's going down a cliff. And, and he drops from the rope onto the train. That's the other thing, too, uh-huh. about these things. These guys were doing stunts without the safeties that they, they yeah. have today. Yeah. Buster Keaton, in the general, there's a, a scene there where there's a tie on the railroad tracks, and he's he's riding on the cow catcher holding another tie. Right. And he has the timing has to be perfect, or else he'll hit the tie, and it'll wipe him off the yeah. front. He tosses the tie on, flips it off, and he's like, just like smooth as butter. Uh, that that was on my uh, homework list. That in Canadian Pacific to watch, but uh, there was some s- situation happened that uh, I had no control about, so I didn't get to watch. Well, at least it's on your list. It's it on is, my list. It's yeah. worth seeing. Uh, let's see. Uh, most historically based movies about Jesse James, uh, Dodge City. No, I don't think so. Return Frank James, Whispering Smith, Colorado Territory, Rage at Dawn. That's another. Um, Randolph Scott movie, Night Passage, Cat Ballou, a train movie. Well, well, it's kind of you can have some train stuff, and they they plan on robbing the train, and she uh, has the scene on there with the, uh, the head bad guy because he's the guy that's 
causes her dad to die and okay. all that kind of stuff. All right, we got uh, Shenandoah uh, from 65, more Civil War than anything else, I thought. Uh, the Professionals from 66, uh, yeah, big time train there. Butch Cassidy. Big time train. Big time, uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, uh, another good one. Wild Bunch, 69, most excellent movie there. Five Man Army from '70, Rio Lobo, one more train. Worked on that robbery. one. You did, yes. One and more. that's a guy, that's that's an interest because it starts with a train robbery, and it's it's you know a lot of people forget there's a train robbery in the movie because they think all all they remember is the Tucson portion, mm-hmm. the train stuff they did in Mexico, and it's an interesting premise because the bad guys to stop the train have stretched ropes across the track, but they've done it at the top of a hill, greased the tracks because the train slows down because of the grade, mm-hmm. and the train gets up there and can't get any traction, and the, and the Confederates rob them, wipe out the train and rob them, mm-hmm. and there's a traitor. Of course, the, there always is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, train crashes, Dodge City. Uh, good crash in there. Two crashes in Union Pacific. Are we going to talk about these? You're just going to give us a hundred titles. I, I'm just giving you bunches of titles. Duel okay. of the Sun, Whispering Smith, we'll Denver, Rio Grande. It. Spoilers. Uh, How the West was won. Blah blah blah. How the West the one was won. The, the uh, stunt two train killed in that. Yes. Uh, you know they had one segment, and I'm, let me. I, I'm trying to. It's one segment which was called the railroad. And I'm trying to remember who the director was on it. I've got all that stuff here. I forget it. Okay. And then the second segment was at the train robbery with Eli Wallach before the Mexican Spanish westerns. Before mm-hmm. uh, he's the bad bad train robber. George Papard yeah. is the uh, sheriff, and it's a great it's a great shootout and fight. One of the great train robbery fights, you know. Catching Trains, they have a listing for Catching Trains uh, in their uh, movies. In uh, High Noon, uh, Train to Catch there. Yeah. Donna Takaro, uh, 310 to Yuma, both the original and the remake. And The Last Train from Gun Hill, filmed at the Empire Ranch. Last? Oh, yeah. Okay. We, I want to mention one, and that's uh, Gunfight at the OK Corral. Mm-hmm. It opens up, you know, with them down at the train track, yeah. crossing the train track yeah. into Tombstone. Yeah. There was never a train track into Tombstone. No, it was Fairbanks. Yes. Somehow or another, though, Hollywood, of course, got it wrong. <laughs> don't, don't say never now. 1903, they put the train tracks through to Tombstone. They did? Yes. How long did it last? Two weeks? Well, no, no I mean, the tracks are still there. Oh. Uh, did the tra- tracks are still there. My buddy Jim Clark, the train guy who owned Santa Clarita Railway Company and was the train guy for a race or two. I know, Eraser and uh, Under Siege 2, and he supplied the train for the Wild Wild West, the movie, and also oh, the yeah, yeah. Medicine Woman. Uh, he was, Jim's a great guy, a uh, patriot, a lover of the West. He moved to Tombstone, and uh, it's for his dad, because of the arid climate. His dad was 92, and he had breathing issues, so they, he moved there. Everybody thought, and his family thought he was crazy, but he went in anyway, and He's built a beautiful territorial home, and he started an antique shop. And then he said, "Okay, I got plenty of time on my hands still. I'm going to start a a, a a a train, a wine train, where you get on the train and we take it all around, and you drink wine and conversation and so on." Okay. So he goes to the city fathers of Tombstone. He says, "I want to build a uh, get the train. I got the cars and I got the engine. I just need to use the tracks." Oh, well, we've promised those true. We've promised that area to somebody else. He said, to who? A train company? No, no. Well, who? Well, to the Bird Watchers Society of Southern Arizona. And he said, you the Bird Watchers Society of Southern Arizona. <laughs> so you're telling me that my train, which might run, twice a week uh, is going to so disturb the psyche of the birds they'll never come back well we don't know and we don't want to chance it so he kept everything there in Tombstone bought another house in Virginia City and he's doing his in Nevada he's doing his train tour there now in uh, in Virginia City and making money hand over fist no doubt Oh, he's a very happy man. Yeah. Yes. And the people in Tombstone are still whining. We should have bought the train. Well, we should have well you know, their answer to everything is, 
oh, when he first came in and said he wanted to do this, they said, before they told him he couldn't have the land because of the bird watchers, they said, well, you can't do that. And he said, why not? And they said, because nobody's ever done it before. <laughs> and he said, that's the best reason. You're, you're, you're mistaken. Because the train tracks were there, I didn't lay them. Somebody laid them and used them. That's why they're there. <laughs> and they said, well, we, well, we never seen it run. We never rode the train. And he said, I, I understand that, but I want to make it run now. And that's when they explained to him. And then when he wanted to build this house, he wanted to build a, a, uh, a territorial porch all the way around the house, mm -hmm. completely all the way around. And he, they said, oh, you can't do that. And he said, why not? Nobody else has done it. Because nobody's ever done it before. Good enough for me. He said, okay, all right. And then he just he kept running into the same story time and time again, and eventually he got tired of it, and he moved his headquarters to uh, to Virginia City. Now, the, the tracks, there were train tracks in southern Arizona, specifically southeast Arizona, before SP came to Tucson in oh, yeah. 1881. One? They went into uh, no, they went into no, they went into Nogales, didn't they? Nogales, Before they came into Tucson. Benson, didn't they? Fairbanks. No, there were um, lines going to Agua Prieta because they had the spur line. It was, they were well, it's two different railroads. The yeah. Southern Pacific runs from Yuma to Tucson, and, right? Yeah. and so on. And if train enthusiasts will get on me if I say the Santa Fe. <laughs> you know the Santa yeah. Fe's other name. Atchison the short line. The short line. Yeah. There really is no Santa Fe Railroad. It's a bunch of short lines uh, all hooked all together. Connected, yeah. And the short line came into Deming and joined the Southern Pacific, went as far as Benson. Okay. And yeah. then in 1882, they took it down to Nogales. And uh, well, the reason for Tucson? doing that, they were headed for Wymus. Yeah. No, the, Tucson uh, gets the Southern Pacific in 80. Oh, okay. But it's not connected to anything until '81. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, '82. <laughs> Typical Tucson. <laughs> Even then. Yeah. Well, you Which know, is we, why they don't get robbed until '83. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, nobody's going to ship anything because it can't go anywhere. Well, you know, we got to mention probably the greatest opening sequence with trains okay. once upon a time in the west oh yeah you know <laughs> absolutely it, it is you know it is it just, it's a masterpiece yes, it and the funny thing is you know woody strobe um jack elam i can't remember the third guy's name right offhand uh he was a canadian actor came from a filthy rich family uh they shot everything except the shootout the, that the night or the morning when they were heading out to the to shoot to shoot out he jumps out of the window commits suicide in his wardrobe whoa and he doesn't die right away so they're going to haul him off to the to the uh, spanish hospital supposedly leone is quoted as saying save the wardrobe we needed for the shot <laughs> <laughs> We're talking trains here on Movie Saturday on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We're out at uh, live streaming out at the uh, White Stallion Ranch as we do every last Saturday of the month. We're going to take another commercial break here. We'll be back with much more from Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts, and Doug Hawking after these important messages. Stay tuned. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of 
of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Ole Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a rent to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Red Hench, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. We never should have taken that shortcut. Look where it's led us straight into a trap. We should have turned back. We should have turned back. I wanted to. I wanted to. Aye, quiet. There's a way out of every place. This is the Voices of the West. on Emil Francis of Voices of the West Harry Alexander Bunker de France Todd Roberts our guest Western Riders of America author is uh, Doug Hawking he's also our train guy we're at uh, the White Stallion Ranch doing Movie Saturday as we do every last Saturday of the month and our topic today is trains and if you want to rob a train you better have a good gang of henchmen because if you don't the gall darn train will get away from you don't try to stand in front of it because it don't work i know (laughs) from experience there's our next commercial (laughs) (laughs) well you know i want to i want to this is a great one then the denver and rio grande Edmund O'Brien, Sterling Hayden, Dean Jagger. Uh, They shot it up at Durango with the Durango-Silverton Narrow Gauge Railroad. And they actually had an actual head-on collision between two steam locomotives. And it was something else. I mean, they blew up half the county when that sucker's head. (laughs) Those things make a bunch of noise. Yeah. (laughs) Bunch of noise. Todd, what do you got? Well, you know... Doug, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do so just do it, because do it. of first bite. Um, and I know this is an esoterical question, so you're more than welcome to give me an esoterical answer. Um, which, uh, in other words, my father would, you know, my father used to say, if you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. So, um, 
you know, there was a time in this country where the railroad was it. it that was it, there was nothing better. It was where you got first class service, great food, uh, socializing. And there was a great station in every town. Army house. And every, you know, every town had a, 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 in every one of those stations there was a barber shop, there was a bar, there was a, clothing, a men's clothing store. Um, and it was the thing. I know we're never going to go back to that, but do you think if it was, it is possible uh, in my esoteric mind that if the trains were taken over by private ownership, that quality would, shall we say, improve, and therefore uh, uh, it would come back in a little more fashion, possibly? Freight is king. Uh, truthfully, if they're privately operated, they have to satisfy the customers. It's not like having something government run. The most profitable industry in the United States was in the United States before the United States in North America was the fur trade. Mm -hmm. And after our revolution, the government decided that to protect the Indian from those unscrupulous traders Ooh. who might give him whiskey in exchange for furs, oh. the government was going to have the Indian agents, and after 40 years, they proved that they could take the most profitable industry and run it at a loss. Yeah, they're, they, they're still doing it today. <laughs> so, so you're making my point. I mean, in the respect, Harry and I took a train up to... Up, uh, on a little road trip, and we had a lovely time. That's because we have a, had an excessive amount of liquor on board. <laughs> but, um, Always a that's and we and of course we had each other. And, and it's amazing if you give Harry enough liquor, he'll listen to me for hours on end and never say a word. It's it's astounding. His eyes are glazed. Um, no, I'm, wear, I'm wearing sunglasses, yeah. so he can't see that my eyes are closed. <laughs> well, and he nods his head yeah. profusely. Um, you guys, I think probably because he's sick. No, it's the train. He's rocking with the train. Yeah, there you go. Well, you but, know, you know when. When we look at the train, uh, you know, uh, it costs them twelve dollars to make a cheeseburger, but they sell it for only nine dollars and twenty-five cents. Okay, what so they lose two dollars and seventy-five cents on every cheeseburger transaction. I mean, it's amazing that they are still in business. I mean, they lose money every year, and we have to give them money as taxpayers to supplement it. But well, I just thought that it might be. Another, shall I say, luxury train travel could bet come back theoretically. You know, some of those trains actually make money. That you know, like the wine trains and the things like that. I would love to have my own private train car yeah. and hook onto the back of a of an Amtrak and go wherever. Harry, I always knew you wanted to be a robber baron. You know, why not? Why not? You know, just just on for the sake of honesty and a disclaimer, I worked for Amtrak for 19 months, mm -hmm. and. The rule of thumb with Amtrak was that if a train was running 29 minutes late, it was on time because yeah. they could make it up. And we had trains that were days late. But that was generally because of derailments and monsoons. My, my first train trip to El Paso, my wife and I were quite excited about going. The train was uh, four and a half hours late out of uh, Los Angeles. And uh, so obviously we got four and a half hours late into El Paso. But you we know, the we same should have thing had Mussolini. Yeah. I, he yeah. made the trains run on time. Exactly. With exactly. pasta, yes. yeah. <laughs> With pasta. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we, we uh, before we went to air, we were talking about some of the television um, uh, things regarding trains, and of course there was the the I think good series, the Wild Wild West. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was fun series. Yeah, good steampunk stuff. But another one that came out was Hell on Wheels that was on uh, AMC. And yes. um, you can still watch those. I don't think it's on any longer, but... Uh, I think you can call them up. Yeah, you, it, you can get them on demand. And it's actually not a bad series. It's about uh, the uh, building... Uh, I don't remember if it's building the Transcontinental or not. It is. It is? Okay. Yeah. And uh, Right after the Civil yeah, uh, War. But um, I... Kind of lost it got interest better after as it three. went along. From well, I, I lost interest after about three episodes, I think, because it, it just kept shifting around, or we couldn't catch it, or all, or whatever. But may may start that again. I, I want to throw out a TV one for you because we're all guy, we all love Death Valley days. Yep. And they did an episode called "The Wild West Biggest Train Holdup," and uh, 
the big the hold up in it though wasn't holding up the train it was the railroad holding up the town because they wouldn't pay their taxes and then we got a gene autry show called steel ribbon uh that had some good train stuff in it and tom london was the engineer again hmm. after all those years you know now we only oh, got powder keg which was a tv movie for it was the pilot for uh, Bearcats. Right. I worked on that, and that was that was a fun show to work on. You know, I mean, you, we shot that up there on the uh, railroad spur up there by uh, Mammoth. Bearcats inspired right here in Arizona the first car chase of railroad Roger robbers was really? back in 1910. I've got it on here. Uh, yep, 1910, the Beardless Boy Mandits. <laughs> they knew they were beardless boys because they did something that nobody else ever did. They decided to rob the passengers and found the found the territorial uh, district attorney's attorney and two sheriffs oh. <laughs> riding the car, and they robbed them. Okay, oh, And they get up to the Gila River. They've got horses waiting, and they hop on their horses. And right away, headed for Mexico, they've got... Two beer bottles full of water, <laughs> and they, they, they have no idea apparently where Mexico is. And guess who chases them? Oh, wait. Shotter. Sheriff Carl Hayden. Oh, oh my God. Yes, wow. who in the '60s yeah. is Senator, Senator Hayden, right? Yeah. And That's one cool. of his constituents volunteers his expensive touring car, and they go bouncing across the desert. <laughs> <laughs> trying to oh, catch Oh, that's stuff. great. Oh, I love funny. it. That's a movie in itself. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Well, it became the Bearcats. Think yeah. about it. Yeah, wow. it did. It really did. Wow. Well, I've got one train film that we didn't mention. Okay. That I, I I just saw the other day, and I still like it. Night Passage with Jimmy Stewart and Audie Martin. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I got that here. You know, and what a cast. You, you've got uh, Jack Elam, and uh, you've got uh, uh, Dan Durier. And um, you know you've got Brandon DeWild and uh, and all those bad guys, really good bad guys, including Robert Wilkie. Yes, I like Wilkie. I still don't understand why they call him Concho, because I look at his outfit every time I watch it. I can't find one Concho on his outfit, his gun belt, anywhere. <laughs> But I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to give it up. That was a family name. You know, the uh, 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 we often quote Western writer, screenplay writer, uh, Frank Gruber, uh, on the plots of Westerns and, and such. And his number one plot uh, was a Union Pacific plot, the building of a railroad or a stagecoach line. Also yeah. can be a telegraph line. That is interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about one of the great. Doug and I were talking about it before the show. Emperor of the North Pole. Oh gosh, yeah. But, Emperor of the North. Well, actually, it's the North Pole. They later changed to drop the pole later on, but when it first came out, and when I saw it, it was still called Emperor of the North Pole, with Lee Marvin, Ernst Borgnine, one of the Caribbean yeah. boys, and one of the gr- most brutal fights of all time. Seriously, it goes yeah. on forever. Yeah. Go all the way from Benson to uh, Wilcox. Except this is up north. By the end of that movie, you seriously want to see Borgnine get it. Hey, I watched that movie and when it was all over, I, I needed Band-Aids. <laughs> well, well, here's one I worked on, okay. and this was a fun movie. The Good Guys and the Bad Guys up at Chama. And... Uh, we were up there pre-production, and we chased the train for two weeks. Yeah. Nothing but strict horseback, and it was it was so much fun because that's all we had to do was ride, mm. ride and ride and ride. You could ride alongside, and shake hands with the passengers through the window while we, you know, it's just what a what a fun movie to work on. One you may have forgotten, and you remind me because the bad one of the bad guys was Louis Chama. Oh. Tell us about Louis Choma. When you and when you think about it, this is where the movie really was set. It was Rio Arriba County, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Joe Kidd mm-hmm. with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And it's the first time oh. I've ever seen a guy take a locomotive into a saloon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they shot yeah. that part. Robert Robert Duvall. <laughs> yes, Robert Duvall was the other Robert bad guy. Duvall. Wow. <laughs> now this this yeah. one this one may be the most train of train western movies, Breakheart Pass. Oh, 
Because the whole thing takes place on the train. It's like Midnight Express in the mm-hmm. West. Yeah. And it is, I love the movie. It's got a great fight with uh, uh, Archie Moore and uh, Bronson up on top of the train, mm-hmm. which is pretty brutal in itself, too. Yeah. And, I mean, people are dying, getting killed. There's a plague. I mean, they had COVID back there even. You know, it was, <laughs> they had everything. All right, we got to do our final commercial break here. On Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker de France, Todd Roberts. Guest is Doug Hawking. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. You're not going to use this story, Mr. Scott? No, sir. This is the West, sir. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. This is the Voices of the West. Awesome Express. Yep, those you boys know, you, flat and scrubs. You know, you go to a, a, an old-time Fiddler competition. Yeah. I guarantee you, you'll probably hear that played more than any other Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That it's, is it's the Wildwood Rose. It's the test to yeah. see how well you play the fiddle. Yeah. Welcome back to Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. And our guest sitting here is Doug Hawking, Western Writers of America author. He's also our train guy. 
And uh, it is Movie Saturday. We're talking trains. One of the trains that, uh, uh, well, not one, the train that is out at Old Tucson, um, the Reno. It's a rather famous yes, movie train. Yes, it is. You know, they used it, to, Doug mentioned earlier about running the train through the town. In Joe Kidd, that was the Reno that went smashing through the saloon. And I worked on a national parks, uh, I don't know if it was documentary or promotional thing that they shot out there. It was interesting because uh, Old Tucson is not inexpensive for production companies. Right. And they were going, they, so they went to, anyhow, they went to the management and said, you know, can we fire up the engine so we can see the steam coming out? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, that'll be $1,000. And they went, oh, well, <laughs> well uh, maybe we don't need that. So they get their special effects guy, and he gets one of those bee smokers, and he pumps it up, and he sits it behind the wheel, so you got these little puffs of smoke coming out. The old Tucson guy comes running up and says, oh, you're... He says that that's five hundred dollars. He says, "What do you mean? What do you mean? Says, it's, we're not we're not doing anything to the train." He says, "Special effects, special effects." So there was no that was a dead engine. <laughs> the uh, Reno was also in uh, the television series The Wild Wild West. Yes, it was actually. You know, they I'm trying to remember. They took and shipped it over to uh, Europe. I don't know to England or someplace for some special thing. Brought it back, but they. Old Tucson made a ton of money renting it out, and can you imagine coming out there with a flat, I don't know how they did it, a flat car or something, putting mm-hmm. it on the back of it and hauling it across country, <laughs> you know, with a huge crane. I just, but that, jeez, blows your mind. I'd love to see that myself. Well, we're uh, rapidly running out of time here, so what I think I want to do is... Just play a train song. Well, we could play a train song, but... Moreover, Todd, your favorite train movie. I know you guys are going to be upset with me, but I, I, always are. I still love the Wild Wild West uh, on that train that Will Smith and uh, um, um, Kevin Klein have uh, because of Jim Clark, my buddy, is the guy who built it, designed it, and orchestrated it and drove it. And... Uh, you know, I just, it's the ultimate uh, kid's toy. It's the greatest uh, James Bond in the wild, wild west. Uh, 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 and all the great gadgets and gadgets that that train had. Bunker, your favorite movie, train movie? You know I don't have favorites. I have outstanding train movies. Oh, okay. And I mentioned just about all of them. All right. But uh, I, I got to I gotta go with the general. I just, that just... When you see what they did in that, that, it was all actual. There was no gimmickry. It was all real stuff and real trains. And, you know, it just, it says train to me. Doug? You know, I'd probably have to agree with Wild Wild West. I enjoyed that steampunk stuff. <laughs> oh, I love the series. Yeah, I still watch it when they play. I love the series. I love the train in the film. I don't like the film as much, but I love that train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> For me, it uh, has to be the Iron Horse. Oh, we uh, got to mention it's running on Tucson now on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, two half-hour episodes, Casey Jones with oh, Alan yeah. Hale. Uh, that, that, That's a not a bad series. It isn't. It, uh, f- 1957 is when that came out, and I think there was only one season to yeah. it. But he plays uh, Casey Jones, and uh, it's in the Old West, although. The, the geography keeps Doug changing. Taylor's the uh, fireman. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eddie Waller's Eddie the, Waller's uh, the uh, conductor. conductor. <clears throat> but the, and he wears a hat just like Doug's. That's right. <laughs> it's a great hat, too. Don't sit on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I think that about wraps it up. Anything uh, quickly anybody want to throw in? No, no. Let's, well, what about a bad, bad train movie? Are, is there such a thing? It's got a train in it. It's got to be good. Oh, I got one. Custer of the West. Because there's a little train sequence in there. And Custer hated trains. Mm. Because that was one of the reasons he was sent west, was to protect the railroad. (laughs) Doug is cracking up over here. Tell us, Doug. You just reminded me of the the Lone Ranger. Oh, yeah. The most recent one. Yeah. 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 Debbie and I were headed up to Creed uh, the day that they were shooting that. Yeah. 
and we're going up the road, and the road's all blocked off, and there's all these warnings. Road construction, road construction. I'm looking at what's there, and I said, Debbie, that is not construction equipment. That's movie equipment. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got- Jim also, Jim Clark did the train on that film as well. If you notice, I didn't mention it, even though it's a pretty good train. But uh, uh, he said to me, he, he, got, he goes, I, I got a call from... Uh, uh, Disney, they want me to work on the remake of The Lone Ranger. I said, wow, that's really interesting. What's? Uh, w- w- did you see the script? He said, yeah. I read the script and uh, they said to me uh, uh, that the budget's $250 million. And he said, uh, so I called, I said, so what did you think? He said, well, my question to them was, why is a movie that takes place, 60% of it takes place on a train, is $250 million? <laughs> and they said, well, because uh, uh, there's a lot of CGI. He said, well, your CGI mostly happens not on the train. It happens out everywhere else. Right. And so he said, you guys got to cut this film. You got to cut this way back. All right. So they slaved and slaved and came back to him weeks and weeks later, and they cut it down to two hundred and twenty million. <laughs> and they said they, as if they had sacrificed their firstborn child. All right. And they were so depressed. Well, we cut as much as we can cut. And he said, "Well, I still don't understand why a train picture, sixty percent of a train picture, has cost two hundred twenty million. But we'll make, if you want to make it, I'll make it with you." All right. We've got uh, we've got to go. Speaking We're, of cut, we got to cut out. We got to cut. We're plumb out of time here, running over. Thanks uh, everybody for listening. Doug, thank you for coming up. Thanks for having me. And uh, Todd Bunker, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Seventy-eight. Seventy-nine. Eighty. So everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.